This week's podcast brought to you by Captain Kirk. Watching a high school basketball game last night and uh, one of the teams, whenever a kid made a three-point shot, he threw up the three fingers to the side. And I was thinking, okay, that player should be required anytime he misses a shot to hold up his hands into the number zero. There's no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Happy Valentine's Day to you and our listeners. Oh, you already wished me a happy Valentine's Day. Yesterday was Valentine's Day as we record this, and you said in the morning, uh, happy Valentine's Day. Your present is, I activated your new ATM card. Yeah, because your old ATM card had expired. Your new one came in. You had tried to activate it. But I didn't know my account number. But you number. didn't know your account number, which I know it's in my brain. So I called early in the morning and activated it for you. That's, that was not a nice gift. That was a wonderful gift. And then later in the day, well, not later in the day, yesterday morning, Valentine's Day morning, the morning of February 14th, I went to the grocery store and um, I just wanted to get you some Valentine candy and they had none. And they have this like the half an aisle for holiday candy. It even says like on the the aisle, what is that thing called that hangs mm-hmm. down that tells you what's in the aisle sign, the aisle sign, holiday candy. So I went down. And I looked, and uh, Easter bunnies and Easter candy everywhere. Not a single piece of Valentine candy left on Valentine's Day. They did have in the um, the florist area. They had fifty dollar bouquets of roses still available. They weren't treating or pricing the roses as if it was a holiday. But uh, that's an expiring commodity. Was gone? Yes. Holiday yes. roses. So um, anyway, I, I was like, oh. This is great. If I want, I can get some Easter candy today, but uh, no Valentine's Do they have candy. the uh, pumpkin spice uh, Cheerios out yet? <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I don't think they'll have those out yet. Um, last week I was in Arizona. I was in Tucson and about to go into the arena maybe two hours before tip. And a woman came over and uh, said hello and introduced herself as a completionist. It makes me so happy when people not only introduce themselves as ball and chain lis- listeners, but a completionist to boot, that was a uh, a nice surprise. Look what Mark Simon hath wrought. People in Tucson introduce themselves as a completionist. Right. Imagine that. Yes. Mark Simon's uh, reaches far and wide. When I pulled up to the arena, I actually stayed in the car for a few minutes. Um, Holly, Ryan, and I came over together, and so I wasn't driving, but... Uh, I was watching our daughter's high school basketball game on the on a YouTube channel, and live. Uh, a home game. What's that? Live. Live. Yes. And so, most of the game I was able to watch from the hotel room, and then some of it uh, on the car on the way to the arena. And I realized I'm a much better viewer when I'm alone in my hotel room, three thousand miles away, and can say whatever I'm thinking out loud with zero 
consequence or repercussion because nobody can hear me and I can cheer or I can mumble or I can do whatever the heck I want. Um, I, I'm, I'm a better parent fan when I'm 3,000 miles away I, I, I'm in a hotel room. I'm also a better viewer when you are 3,000 miles away. And because when you're, when you're with me, you also can say what you want with repercussions. Right. Although I've been, I've been pretty good. I've been pretty good being quiet and uh, mumbling so just you can hear me, which I know doesn't help you one iota. And then I was a little bit disappointed because uh, earlier this week, our daughter had a game that was away. And I was like, all right, I was working that night um, and I wanted to watch it on the live stream. At least I could watch some of it before before we went on air. And uh, so I pull up the YouTube channel for that local high school. And uh, it told me all over the homepage where the next when the next boys game was going to be played and, and how to watch the next boys game. The, the homepage comes up. It already says like what sport boys varsity basketball. So I click in girls, no option. So um, this that, is- that was not making me thrilled about uh, about that school and how they treat their women's sports. This is this is the content we will offload onto our subsidiary podcast where you really drill down deeply into the the process of emptying the gym after and the that, freshman that, game that, before that, the JV that, game that and, boils then, my blood and, and then and then and then and then uh when you cannot access uh the other team's YouTube page well, without this sorry. No go ahead. I'm no. interrupting. It's okay if you don't offer it as a service. It's not okay if you offer it for boys and you have all over your homepage of when the next boys game is going to be, which is, you know, was a few days later, and have nothing for the girls. It's a public school that that was doing this. So unless I, I was just going to the wrong place, and that is absolutely a possibility, um, not okay. No, I, I, I'm with you on that. Can I get one more thing off my chest? By all, by all means. Okay. Airport gates should have at least half the number of seats in the gate area as capacity of the plane that's going to leave. I, when I was in Phoenix, I think it was Phoenix, or maybe it was Atlanta, when I was coming home from Tucson, I went through Atlanta and went to the gate and every seat was taken and a ton of people are standing up like, or maybe even maybe even 60% of the capacity of the flight, you should have that number of well, seats. Well, some of those seats at the gate, you just wouldn't want to, You'd rather stand than take those seats where it's an empty seat between two people or two groups of people of whose luggage, luggage are yeah. are taking up, or, or sometimes the luggage has its own seat. In this case, it was Atlanta, and I'd flown from Phoenix on a red eye, 12.50 a.m. red eye, which is just an atrocious time. All you want to do is get on the plane and sleep. Got to Atlanta after only a couple hours of sleep, and uh, and like all you want to do like is kind of sit down and relax because you're in such a weird state of being. You know, no, humans aren't meant to sleep for three hours and then be awake for a couple hours or, just to sleep for a couple more hours on a plane. Or to cross the country, uh, crisscross the country back and forth in the span of 24 hours. Yeah, that, a, yeah. a journey that used to take six months by covered wagon. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so I think that that was what got me a little bit too was uh, just want to sit down, just want to sit down. And uh, and that was Super Bowl week and you had texted me, I think, uh, on the outbound journey that the person – in front of you had ordered a Bloody Mary and the person behind you had ordered a... Oh, yeah, because I flew on the outbound portion and I was flying into Phoenix to then drive to Tucson. And this was on Wednesday. Flew through Minneapolis and 
I think almost everyone on my flight from Minneapolis to Phoenix was going there to attend the Super Bowl. And they certainly had all started their Super Bowl partying Wednesday evening um, on that flight. It, it felt that way, yes. I suggested you lean in and, and order yourself a uh, Jack and Coke or something, but yeah. you declined. No, the person in front of me was having a Jack and Diet. I, I, I did decline. Uh, last week, after we recorded the podcast, in the in the in the very brief window between us recording the podcast and producer Denny Gallagher uh, producing, editing, and uploading the podcast, um, Connecticut. You said in last week's podcast, Connecticut. What did you say? I thought I, that I thought like, they were the second best team second in, the best in the country, South Carolina. Yes. And then in that in that narrow window between uh, recording the broadcast and the broadcast being uploaded broadcast podcast being uploaded uh, UConn lost to uh, at Marquette at Marquette to a very uh, you were actually texting me because that was while I was flying yeah through Minneapolis yep. to Phoenix and you were texting me and it was so funny because you as a Marquette grad I said just can you send me updates because I couldn't watch the game and I wasn't having I was having a hard time with the um, box score y- you as a clear Marquette grad Oh, Marquette's getting hosed by the well, refs. Well, like I you, mean, you, on, you were very one-sided in your play-by-play of what was happening. No, in there, that game. there was, there was uh, like it, Marquette played played well. I mean, I think they could have. I don't think they shot particularly well, but um, but it, it's a difficult place to play. I very think. difficult, and, and they're a really well-coached team. They're a good team. Marquette beat uh, Texas earlier in the season. Yeah. I think at the time Texas was a top-five team. Marquette is solid. The Big East is a better conference than it's given credit for. But um, this is what I'll say. Uh, in terms of UConn being the second best team in the country. I think Connecticut, when they're playing their best, um, certainly is one of the top couple of teams in the country. Um, if they get AZ Fudd back and she's able to you know, play like she did prior to injury, if they get Caroline Ducharme back, um, I certainly think they're one of the top three or four teams in the country. Indiana is ranked second in, uh, right now, and they are an outstanding team with a ton of experience, a great player inside, Mackenzie Holmes, who's a, an amazing anchor for them. I think she's top five in the nation in terms of her field goal percentage. That She's surrounded by shooters, a lot of players who can make threes. Stanford, that's the game I did out in Arizona. Stanford looked terrific. Uh, they play were playing really well with one another. They're deep. They're talented. They also have three-point shooters. Uh, and then we saw this past weekend a game that a lot of people watched. They got a great rating. LSU lost to South Carolina uh, by 22 or somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, uh, LSU was previously undefeated but had only played one other ranked opponent. So um, I will, I'll say this. South Carolina has made it very clear that they're the best team in the country. Who are the top challengers to South Carolina for, for our women's basketball fans who, who are interested? I think uh, Indiana, uh, well, in this order, I think uh, Stanford, who lost to South Carolina in overtime earlier in the season. I think Connecticut, a healthy, rested Connecticut, um, who lost to South Carolina by four or five points a couple weeks ago. And uh, Indiana, I think those are three teams in particular that have the ingredients that you need to be able to at least compete with South Carolina. You need to be able to shoot the ball really well. Those teams have players who can do that. You need to have some depth. Um, Stanford is the main one who has depth. And you need to have size inside and out. Um, and uh, Indiana has at least you know one anchor inside in Holmes and then a number of shooters, a couple of whom are have good uh, good size on the perimeter. So... Those are four teams that uh, 
if you're just on the periphery of paying attention to women's college basketball, good ones to pay attention to. And of course, Iowa is a team when they're on and shooting the ball well from the three-point line can beat anybody. I don't know that they have the makeup to uh, if it came across South Carolina to to contend with what South Carolina can do in the post. Uh, as a special gift to our long-suffering viewers, we're going to make this one. We're going to have to wrap this one up in the next twenty minutes or so because yes, I have. So to we're going to dive right into viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. And a special viewer mail <laughs> edition that opens with snail mail, Rebecca. Every once in a while, snail mail appears mm-hmm. and. We check our PO box regularly, every, every two months, like should. clockwork. <laughs> yes. It was so full when I went a couple of days ago at your request that I couldn't pull the mail out of the slot. It, yeah. it was they usually put a slip in that saying you have extra mail, and we did have that. But right. the mail that filled the box was packed in so tightly that I couldn't I couldn't pull it out. I could have pushed it out so that mm-hmm. it fell back in the mail room, but I could, wouldn't have access to it then. So I had to ask somebody from behind the the. Uh, wall of boxes to retrieve the mail for us and then and, give us our overflow mail. And this is how infrequently we go. We had five or six Christmas, Christmas cards. Oh, sure. but, <laughs> but, in, with our, in with our mail. But in with that mail was a package. Uh, and when we opened that package, Rebecca, well, let me just say, um, there was a letter and it says, Restiva, greetings from Maine. And who knows when this came in? Oh, is there a Two weeks ago, no. three months ago, right? It five could. years ago, I, I don't no, know. No, it wasn't five years. It's been within the last. It's been since. It's since been probably the, since the turn of the calendar, this calendar year. year. Greetings from Maine, where the snow has finally fallen. True winter. So, mm-hmm. it's first snowfall in Maine. Encloses a gift for you both, and appreciation for all the joy you bring your listeners every week. There are three threads that came together here, and now in this in this package was an. L.L. Bean Boat and Tote Bag. Mm-hmm, which we talked about a couple of months ago. Uh, with with a, with a special yes. embroidered uh, message on it. And that message was? Tertiary ter- Pantry. Tertiary Pantry. It's a tertiary pantry on the go. It's amazing. And, and well, are you going to keep reading So she says, yeah. one, tertiary pantry, need I say more, I-Y-K-Y-K. If you know, you know, That's and right. we know. And we know. Two, ironic, not iconic. Boat and Tote. A few months ago, one of your listeners wrote about this in a letter, a very fun trend started by a young woman in New York City named Gracie that created an off-the-chart spike in L.L. Bean Boat and Totes. I wanted to be part of this trend of bags with clever monograms. Hopefully, you agree this qualifies. Well, it absolutely well, does. question. Three, Steve's sad road trip to upstate New York with no food in the car. That was my, my drive to Buffalo yeah. for Bill's Mafia. And a terrible fast food experience. My vision for this bag is it starts its life as a road trip snack bag for the car, to avoid repeating that sad experience. That's exactly I, I, what I had in mind. That's, I'm going to use that. Uh, I can't wait. I'm going to put, put next road trip, whether it's one of us alone or whether we have the children, I'm going to load that tertiary pantry up and uh, tell the kids if they say, you know, we're hungry. All right, we'll take a look in the tertiary pantry. And uh, this is from uh, Kirsten from Maine, our resident ball and saint chain supply she writes I, our I resident th- ball and supply chain expert yes I ball think and you supply chain it incorrectly though no no i pronounce it i used to pronounce it incorrectly she encloses the pronunciation btw kirsten is pronounced kirsten like captain kirk unless i'm mispronouncing captain kirk's name okay as captain kirk <laughs> so kirsten yes it's either it's either kirsten like captain kirk or kirsten like captain kirk <laughs> but i'm pretty <laughs> sure it's kirsten 
like uh, and Captain And how Kirk. perfect. From Maine, we get something from L.L. Bean. Well, of course. From a listener in Maine. Absolutely. So let's uh, get uh, quickly, Rebecca, to, to the rest of our... our, um, our at ballandchainpod at gmail.com. So ballandchainpod at gmail.com for those who want to... Uh, Send us some viewer mail. Uh, John just he just dispenses with any pleasantries and and just sends a link to um, to uh, local news in Hellertown, Pennsylvania. Marty the robot escapes Pennsylvania grocery store. So <laughs> and there is there is video of of uh, customers at giant food stores. So not stop and shop. Are familiar with Marty the robot? The tall robotic assistant has been in store since 2019. Uh, one Pennsylvania grocery shopper in the Lehigh Valley area posted video showing Marty on the loose in a store parking lot before employees wrangled him back inside. And indeed, there is video. This is from um, from uh, 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 Channel Twenty Seven ABC in the Lehigh Valley. Doesn't this so totally terrifying, feel isn't it? like a um, beginning of a horror movie? Completely. And and of course, Marty the robot will become sentient and. Uh, you, you think they were training it to corral the carts in the parking lot? Because that would be uh, a positive use of Marty the Robot, I would think. Yeah. Uh, Joanne, without an E at the end. Joanne in in Joanne in Worcester, but I, but not Worcester, Mass. is Worcester, Ohio. W, the more reasonably spelled W-O-O-S-T-E-R. For those who don't know, the Worcester in Massachusetts is spelled W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R. Looks like Worcester, but it is also Worcester. Well, Joanne says, begins with, from Joanne, small a, no e, from Worcester, Ohio, pronounced Worcester, does not rhyme with rooster. So W-U-H-S-T-E-R is her phonetic uh, pronunciation. Why do we do this to ourselves? I don't know, though, but I'm glad we do. Yeah. Hi, Re Hello, Rebecca and Steve. I am a completionist, but I've only written in once before. I have a few comments about topics discussed in recent podcasts, and per... per uh, Clubhouse Reels, she enumerates them, of Rebecca. Of course she does. One, my origin story. Somehow I heard that Rebecca was going to be a guest on the Commute podcast with Steve Olivas in January 2020. On that podcast, she mentioned the Ball and Chain podcast. Steve was also a guest on the Commute the week after Rebecca. At the time, the most recent episode of Ball and Chain was the number 106 December of 19 episode, which included a delightful holiday song by Tom, Dick, and Harry. So that was the first episode I listened to. I continued listening to new episodes and during early part of the pandemic, I started back at episode one in between new episodes. So kind of remedial nice. reading. I caught up on the exact day that I listened to the episode where the term completionist was invented. I thought it was ironic, but I never wrote in to share. That's, oh, that's amazing. That reminds me, Mike Golick tweeted at me last week, and mm -hmm. all it said was a reminder to, to change your air filters. We oh, need, we need to we'll do, do that. that. And we'll take video and we'll, we'll and send we'll, it to Mike Golick, who won't want to see it, but he'll be yes, glad that we've done the, it. With a big thank you. Two, as a high school basketball mom, I totally agree with Rebecca about clearing the gym between games. So, Rebecca, I, I apologize. It is uh, of interest. I will, also, I will also share that here high school basketball games always cost at least $6, usually $7, and sometimes $8 for adults. Wow. That seems to be pushing the, uh, hefty. pushing the uh, the envelope there. Three, on the topic of long conversations with strangers on flights, I agree that I could never have a two-hour conversation with my spouse of over 20 years right now because we know all of each other's stories. <laughs> <laughs> that sound familiar, Rebecca? Yeah, it does. I can imagine talking to a stranger for that amount of time because it's something new, even if the conversation was about mundane topics. Four, I've never requested swag before, so I'm including my address in hopes of getting some the next time you send it out. Thanks for the weekly pod, Joanne in Worcester. Uh, Joanne, we will send you swag. Worcester. We will send you swag, and we will 
send swag to the people we've promised it as as long as two or three months ago. So I've been remiss in that. I have some swag on my desk uh, addressed, just not stamped because we need the non-machinable stamp. And Should we'll... I add that to like because I'll I'll be flying out and I'll be gone tomorrow, and I'll give you a to-do list yes. of who add, to add pick that, up and when. I'll add. Add um, that, please. Put swag in envelopes Absolutely. to the to-do list. Dear Stephen and Rebecca, I've been meaning this. This comes from Noah. I've been meaning to send you this email for several months, going back to when people were sending in their celebrity encounters. In 2000 and 2001, by the way, the headline on this is just fantastic. I was working at the Rand McNally Map and Travel Store in downtown Seattle. I remember those stores. Mm -hmm. It was a street-level retail shop that was connected to the Four Seasons Hotel. The hotel has since changed to the Fairmont Hotel, and the Rand McNally Store is now a high-end wedding dress boutique. But I digress. We would get the occasional celebrity wandering in from the hotel, including, bullet points, Don Henley, to whom I sold a globe and shipped to his house. <laughs> I mean, unbelievable. That's kind of cool. And then also knew Don Henley's home address. Yes. Shipped a globe to Don Henley's house. Uh, Bob Eubanks of the newlywed game. I don't remember if he bought anything. <laughs> okay. Dana Carvey, who bought several miniature flags of various countries. That's Dana Carvey perfect. bought several miniature flags of various countries. Mm -hmm. I mean, that would have been my uh, favorite celebrity. Don Henley. I mean, Don Henley and Dana Carvey. Bob Eubanks. Tyson Chandler and Eddie Curry. They were both in their rookie season with the Bulls. They bought duffel bags. <laughs> not, not, oh, travel store, of course. Yeah. Nikki Six, bassist of Motley Crue, and then his wife, and his then wife, former Playboy Playmate and Baywatch star Donna Dierico. Fun fact, Donna DiRico is Nikki Six's second consecutive former Playboy Playmate wife. His first was Brandy Brandt, but again, I digress. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. and Mrs. Six, that's S-I-X-X, -X, Rebecca, bought a set of red Vic Victorinox luggage. I like the choice I mean, this of is, color. This, I just love this. is celebrity luggage. Yes. I mean, what's, what, this is the best thing ever. I also spotted Angelina Jolie walking across the street. She was in Seattle filming the movie Life or something like it released in 2002. So you're in a travel Which store. Which hotel is this? The, four, the former Four Seasons, now okay. the Fairmont. Okay. The other thing I wanted to mention was Steve referencing the, comp the composition of the Beatles song, Get Back. Steve said that John made a comment in the documentary about the Tucson, Arizona lyrics, asking Paul if Tucson was in Arizona and if those were nonsense words being used as placeholders. The lyric is, Jojo was a man who thought he was a loner, but he knew it couldn't last. Jojo left his home in Tucson, Arizona for some California grass. Paul has claimed in, in interviews that he had no one specific in mind while writing those lyrics, but there is a lot of speculation that JoJo is a reference to Linda McCartney's first husband, Joseph Melville C. Jr. Joseph was from Tucson, where he met Linda when she dropped out of the University of Arizona in 1962. They were married from 1962 to 1965, another daughter, Heather, together. Sincerely, Noah in Tacoma. First of all, Noah, just an amazing email. Yeah, Secondly, the fact that you land on uh, Linda McCartney's first husband, Joseph, from Tucson. I am right now reading uh, the the new book, uh, Paul McCartney. Uh, I can't even tell you what it's called. 1969 to 1973, as the Beatles are breaking up in the start of a solo career. And they talk about uh, Linda's first husband, uh, Joe, and uh, but I didn't know that that connection about Jojo left his home in Tucson, Arizona. Of course, that would that would be uh, who he was writing about, or at least would have put that lyric in his, in his head. It's a great book, by the way. Uh, Misha, who helpfully uh, includes a pronunciation guide, is mm -hmm. our next uh, correspondent. 
her, her name is spelled M-I-S-I-A, but she parenthetically writes Misha. So okay. we know it's- Thank you. And she's a completionist, Misha completionist. Hi, Steve. The last time I wrote in was in January of 2020, talking about putting honey and my tea in my tea and how talented Ari McDonald is. But I had to write in again because I was- Ari McDonald. Ari, I'm sorry. I, I'm, I was just still on Misha. Ari McDonald, of course, A-A-R-I. Yes. So, uh, and the, the, the WNBA draft her senior year, she yeah. had a sign behind her that said, like, spelled out phonetically, Ari. Of course. Well, thank you. I, I always appreciate it when people help me with her name because- you know, Right. You should. Yes. And I know, I, I know who Ari McDonald is. I just, when I'm encountering the name cold- Yes, of uh, course. But I had to write in again because I was, and that my mission was to get a picture with you. While we were waiting in line to get our Adia Barnes bobblehead, uh, my husband nudged me and said, there she is. You were- you were getting out of the car and, oh, Rebecca. This is my completionist that I met in Tucson, yes? I've been cutting off the email because because it's 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 wider than my computer screen is. So she says, but I had to write it again because I was able to meet Rebecca the Thursday when she called the Arizona Stanford game. When you mentioned in episode 239 that you were going to be calling the game, I called my husband with excitement, telling him the news and that my mission was to get a picture with you. While we were waiting in line to get our idea Barnes bobblehead, my husband nudged me and said, there she is. You are getting out of the car and I had to run across the street and ask for a picture. I wanted to thank you for being so kind to take a picture with me and waving to my husband. I look forward to the weekly episodes and thank you for what you do for women's basketball. Take care, Misha, completionist, and Rebecca. Now I've got to. I've got to. This, this bookends this, the podcast this, this week. This, this is one of those. You know, when you can press uh, actual size in the picture or yeah. or miniature. This is actual size, so I I, I can't zero in. <laughs> other than you know, I'm looking at like. Uh, uh, my my screen is completely filled like by your right eyebrow here. Right, but if right. you pan around, here is your picture with completionist Misha. Yeah, that and that's who I was that's speaking who the of at the beginning. There you of the go, podcast. of course. Yes, of course. And and here you all. Oh, and here is a, a normal size picture of you waving to her husband. Yes. So uh, Rebecca waving to a husband from across the street. That's that's how she waves to her own husband. Rather from across than the street, have to actually speak to him. Yeah. Wow, Misha, thank you for. Uh, Sending the pictures. I'll, and Rebecca, I'll show these to you uh, when I can reduce them to a normal size. Okay. Uh, Tom, uh, in case you missed this, be aware, be alert. He also sends a link to Marty the Robot escaping his Pennsylvania giant foods. Same link, the same story. And let's just make sure we don't share this story with our daughter. Still, oh my gosh! I, th- I don't know that she's. I think she has. She hasn't mentioned, uh, you know, an issue with googly eyes lately. But uh, that was her always her issue with Marty. Yeah, but but combined with any kind of mascots, which our our kids were pretty yeah. uh, terrified of, a a um, robotic mascot is is the real nightmare. A uh, dear ball and chain writes bomb to bomb diggity in North Carolina. Bob to bomb diggity. Dear ball and chain, if. And he, in, in his ball and chain salutation, he has a red plus sign between ball and chain. I don't know how you even do that in your in your uh, on your laptop. But anyway, he's done it. One, your ranking of sauces on last week's podcast brought to mind the public service announcement titled Don't Drown Your Food. See link below. Which aired on ABC between Saturday morning cartoons in the 1970s. As a child born in the 60s and raised in the 70s, these ads made quite an impression and I still limit my sauce intake. And there's a very much a... Uh, a uh, animation in the style of of Schoolhouse Rock about the dangers of drowning your food. Hmm. Well, we'll I'll have to watch this in its entirety in a minute. 
Two, I really enjoyed Steve's SI article on Wings and a Prayer about the Bills Mafia that came out in early January. When you Thank you. When you discussed your trip to Buffalo on the podcast in November, I assumed you watched the game from the cozy confines of the press box. Reading that you used a Lanova pizza box as a seat cushion in the stands with the fans was a bit of a revelation. Rebecca, that uh, that pizza box is still on my desk. Oh, yeah? It, uh, it is. I don't know why I have, I've been unable to throw it away. A few questions for the author about the writing process. A, given the number of Bill's Mafia fans cited in the article, how did you conduct the interviews in a single morning of tailgating? Um, I, I, I met people and then called them later. I mean, I met people and talked to them, but in, in, the, in the chaos... Of, of Bill's tailgating, I couldn't uh, I couldn't even uh, take the notes, uh, much less um, ask coherent questions for for a long time. So um, some of that was was live as it happened, and some of it, um, I, like I followed up with with Pinto Ron, for instance, uh, a few days after that game because he's mopped at those games. Were most of the interviews conducted via phone and email, and the game was mostly an excuse to hang out and enjoy Labats? No. Um, some of the some of the some of the uh, interviews were conducted by phone uh, after the fact or before the fact, but no, the game was uh, and 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 I I did not enjoy a lot of bats or any other beverage at the game because because uh, a I was driving home after the game five what is it five hours something like that you tell me and I and I was there uh, conducting the interviews and whatnot and finally were most of the interviews conducted. Uh, Via phone and email, and your real purpose was to see the Minnesota Vikings, but the Mills Mafia, but the Bills Mafia was the angle pitched to your editor. You know, I, I was not displeased when uh, I found out that the Bills were playing the Vikings that Sunday, which was the only weekend that I could have gone to Buffalo given your uh, travel schedule. Yeah. So, uh, and there were a lot of Vikings fans there, but I, I have to say, Bills fans, I, I would love to go back to a Bills game not working, just enjoy the tailgate and the game, and have no. Uh, work requirements and take mm-hmm. our son or, or one of our daughters or whatever because it was it was super fun and Bill's fans were ridiculously uh, welcoming and accommodating including to the many Vikings fans who were there. Uh, Roman numeral three and finally BNC viewers often hear DGS lament the fact that his letters are written on Monday nights. Perhaps this bit of wisdom from a college roommate will put his mind at ease. Quote, thank goodness for the last minute. <laughs> Spoken like a true college roommate. Yes. Um, yeah, thank goodness for the last minute. And um, in the last minutes of this podcast, Rebecca, we have a couple of more viewer mails before we get to DGS. Phil uh, writes, this next email comes from, Phil actually writes this, okay? He mm-hmm. opens his email with, this next email comes from Phil in Lincoln, California. Thank you for saving you the effort to think of that on your own. And he, he adds, Phil has written previously about craft beer, AAU coaching, UCLA basketball, and the book, The Warmth of Other Sons. Hello, Rebecca and Steve. So he he encloses the script for us. Right, right. Then he opens with, Hello, Rebecca and Steve. A recent feature on NBC Nightly News featured some amusing news out of Minnesota. I immediately thought of Steve and then was moved to write and share this story with all ball and chain viewers. The Minnesota Department of Transportation holds an annual contest to name their snowplows. I was aware of that. In the most recent contest, more than 64,000 people voted. The chosen names are very creative. I thought I would share the winners of the past two years. So last year's winners, Betty Whiteout. And they paint these on the snowplows, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, Control Salt Delete, The Big Laplowski, Plowosaurus Rex, Scoop Dog, Blizzard of Oz, No More Mr. Ice Guy, and Edward Blizzard Hands. I guess Betty like Whiteout is my favorite out of those. Yeah. And then this year's winners, You're a Blizzard Harry. I think that's Hagrid saying you're a wizard Harry. Mm-hmm. Blizzo, 
And I actually saw that Lizzo <laughs> tweeted that, forget the Grammys, the highlight of her career has been having a snowplow named after her. That's what she tweeted? Yes. That's great. Clear, Clearopathra. <laughs> Better call salt. Hans Snow. I Was that Hans Snowlow probably? Mm-hmm. Uh, Blader Tot Hot Dish. Not Tater Tot Hot Dish. Minnesota uh, staple, but Blader Tot Hot Dish. Scoop, there it is. Sleetwood Mac. Taylor Drift. Snow Force One. And Alice Scooper. Taylor Drift. I like it. Thanks again for your weekly work to entertain us. Your podcast makes my drive or exercise walks more enjoyable. Thank you, Phil and Lincoln. Um, those are great names, by the way. And and uh, penultimately here, Rebecca, Chris in Connecticut writes, Dear Stephen Rebecca, it's been a while since I've written, but with CIAC playoffs coming up, it felt like a good time to send a few random notes and thoughts in no particular order. One, where is the snow in Connecticut? We haven't had nearly enough, and it's sad. We've had almost none. Can I just say that one of uh, the women who works at Stop and Shop, who I enjoy talking to every time I'm there, who has a farm and horses and donkeys or whatever, she um, she said she knows based on the behavior of her horses that in the next couple of weeks we are going oh, to wow. get one big snowstorm in Connecticut. Well, that'll and, give us, and whenever she tells me this stuff, she's right. That'll give us a, a, a cliffhanger yes. to end on. Two, yes. Rebecca, I hope Steve didn't buy you chocolate truffles for Valentine's Day. I seem to recall you not liking them. Steve, I hope Rebecca did buy truffles for you. Um, well, Rebecca, as previously mentioned, could not get candy hearts. Can, uh, but I, I did something nice. She I got, got a bag of a box of a jar of Hershey's Kisses, which was very nice. Well, I got your Hershey Kisses and put them in a jar in yes. a pretty way. And and, um, and you got me nuts and chewies. Yes, and, and kind of candies I didn't, I I didn't like. get. I didn't get Rebecca troubles. I I I now also remember that. Three, my 11-year-old daughter has really been enjoying her rec basketball season and asked to go to a UConn game because she's also a swimmer. Her meets and weekend games interfered with each other. So I suggested a Connecticut Sun game in the summer. We were able to get tickets for the Sun hosting the Liberty in June. Wow, that's Gonna be a good big. game. With the big uh, changes in the Liberty roster, I'm pretty excited. I'm sure it's too far in advance to know, as the work schedule probably isn't out yet. But she did ask if Rebecca would be there working. That might be more exciting to her than the star-studded lineups in the game. I do not know that yet. But perhaps. Perhaps, yeah. Four with two children in high school basketball, seemingly both teams heading to the state tournament. How do you decide who goes to which games when they're on the same night? I know Rebecca recently discussed this being a problem with high school games being Tuesday, Fridays, regardless of who was playing. How did you both decide? Well, we've ham and egged it. We've been really lucky yeah. in that our son, most of his minutes come in JV games. And when or, or, had... but, but or the end of, of varsity games. So, you know. Right. If you're going to see him play, you've got to be at the JV and, and full varsity right. games. But what's been good about it is oftentimes when they've played on the same night, I can go and watch most of the JV game leave and get to our daughter's game in time for the tip of varsity so it's actually even the nights that it's that they play at the same time i've often been able to do double duty thank you for sharing your life with us as always the laughs are always coming regards uh your resident something or other chris in cheshire thank you chris and finally um we get to dr gary siegel uh, Dr. Siegel writes, Dear Rebecca and Steve, I hope this note finds you well, and I do owe Steve an apology as I meant no disrespect, only praise and calling Steve the queen bee in the salutation of my last note. Dr. <laughs> no, we Siegel, loved it. We loved it, and and he he always apologizes for some uh, some uh, chop busting that we do, and, and, and it's more than unnecessary. We're super grateful to Dr. Siegel as always. I think that a large percentage of the viewers have read your articles and books and know that your mastery of trivia, lyrics, commercials, and wordsmithing abilities are otherworldly. Well, Rebecca, I'm ashamed to even read that about myself, but I appreciate Dr. Siegel. You can tell. As always, the podcast was a pleasant respite from the world around us as UFOs are getting shot down while we listen to enjoyable chatter about basketball and sauces. 
as Rebecca's in her crazy travel mode this month, she occasionally comes home and asks me, like, did I, what is, what is, and she asked me the other day, what is going on with all the, the UFOs? And I said, I, I don't know, except the government says they aren't actual alien life forms visiting us. In a fortunate turn of events for all, I have a short list, albeit with one lengthy item, and it's a Monday before 6 p.m. Wow. One, sauces. Barbecue reigns supreme, and tartar sauce, well, has never been something that I've ever wanted to even taste. Mm. I also don't get too excited about honey mustard sauce, although Mrs. DGS likes boar's head honey mustard on her sandwiches. Mm. Rebecca knows that I like boar's head uh, uh, ham. Oh, but she yeah. still insists on on getting the store store brand, but that's fine. Two, Steve, you reminded me of your fantastic 2001 article in which you drove on the Nurburgring, the famous racetrack in the in the Eiffel Mountains of Germany, which hasn't been used for auto racing in decades, but is open to the public. Triple World Champion Sir Jackie Stewart indeed called the track the Green Hell, and he also won a most difficult race there in wet conditions in 1968 by over four minutes. In that race, the late and great All American racer Dan Gurney wore for the first time. In a Grand Prix race, a full face helmet. He had also won at Spa Francorchamps in 1967 in a car made by his company in America, which was and remains a one-time occurrence. The link to your article is below, although I was a subscriber to Sports Illustrated in 2001. Uh, that that article, by the way, Rebecca, is in uh, Caddy Was a Ranger, a collection of my stories mm-hmm. available wherever uh, used books are sold. <laughs> Some common themes and overlapping items are more than co- coincidence and deserve mention. One, Steve, you picked up a loaner 2001 BMW Z8 in Munich in early 2001 and drove it along with photographer Bob Martin through Germany to the track. Two, the Z8 was the featured car in the James Bond movie The World Is Not Enough with Pierce Brosnan as Bond. As viewers recall, in the past, you've kindly nicknamed me a double O-B-G-Y-N. And that's yes, true. We, yes. we, BMW's headquarters in Munich lent us this $200,000 car. Great. And Bob and I then drove it around Germany, which was seemed even at the time to be absurd. And we knew that if we somehow totaled the car, we would have to hide $200,000 on our expense account as, right. as laundry. Three, completionists may also recall that my telephone ringtone is the James Bond theme, purchased many years ago for $1.99, and somehow it has made it from cell phone to cell phone over the last at least a decade. I am of the generation that grew up with the Bond franchise, and as mentioned in a prior podcast, in childhood I owned a Corgi Aston Martin DB5 model outfitted with the spy gizmos that were first seen in Goldfinger. It came from Sears, Roebuck, and Company. That's pretty cool. Four, and finally, later in the spring of 2001, I picked up from the BMW factory near Spartanburg, South Carolina, a French word coming up, Le Mans Bleu E39 2001 BMW M5 with a caramel interior, or caramel if you prefer, Rebecca. Fresh off the boat from Germany, its engine and transmission were the same specs as the one found in the Z8 that you drove at the Nürburgring. You noted that the Z8 had 400 horsepower. I always said that when it, I came to work, I brought 406 friends, 400 horsepower, and six forward speeds. <laughs> Around that time, and I'm sure that was comforting to women about to uh, deliver, yes, right? Yes, right. <laughs> Around that time, in the, and, and it would be comforting if he was your OBGYN and, and you were in the throes of labor, and you know he could get to the hospital Quickly. Maybe although, use the horses to help get the baby yeah, out. <laughs> perhaps. Around that time in the early 2000s, I even had a pregnant patient whose husband had a Z8. Prenatal appointments covered mothers, babies, and BMWs whenever the father attended. Thanks to our hosts and the viewers for letting me stroll down memory lane in this note. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. I've taken the liberty of attaching for your brief review and enjoyment a few relevant pictures, including but not limited to the pages from the spring 2001 Road and Track article comparing a 2015 Chevy SS to a 2003 BMW M5. My original window sticker, the original 2001 M5 brochure, as well as pictures of my car, which I sold on eBay in 2014, when, for me, the acronym BMW had changed from Bayerisch Motorin Verka to 
bring money with you. Bring money with you. <laughs> All the best, Gary. And here is, is a, a bunch of wonderful photos. Thank you, Dr. Siegel. I used to have a model of that BMW Z8 that we drove around Germany uh, that I got at BMW headquarters on my uh, on my bookshelf. And then the kids One used it as a toy car and destroyed it. Yeah, dropped it and that went bye bye. Which is as it should have been, obviously. Yes, so that's right. it for me. Denny I gotta Gallagher, go get our daughter. Thank yep. you, Tom Dick Hari. Play us out. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous, well, we give for a little rest. Stay by day just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane.